This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And that's what the Sacramento Kings is, right? It's, 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 it's Mike looking at that team going, look, I'm going to make some compromises for you, yeah. but you're going to need to make some compromises for me. Mm-hmm. And Jesse asked a good question before the show started. I'll ask you this. I'll ask Matt George when he joins us in about 20 minutes. Does Mike, because we, we, we've joked or, or perhaps not, so this fixes everything? Like everything's good now? And I think we're all of the agreement, like, no, it, it probably doesn't fix everything, but the idea when you took the floor against the Portland Trailblazers was to go get a victory. Mm-hmm. You did that. Beautiful. The goal when you take the floor in the end season tournament game tomorrow against the Oklahoma City Thunder is to get a victory. Mm-hmm. Does Mike Brown continue to tinker with the lineup? Does uh, Keon Ellis start against the Oklahoma City Thunder? I mean, I, I would have him start. I would have him start. The goal the goal is obviously always to win games, always to win games. But I would say the first goal that I would set for, um, for <clears throat> that team last night if I was Mike Brown and the rest <clears throat> of the coaching staff is let's get back to playing better basketball. Remember we was talking about it yesterday when we talked about this game, and I said the win or the loss, it's not, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but that it's game seven. Kings won game seven, by the way. It's game seven. Like the, the season mm-hmm. is not going to be made or broken whether or not you lose this game. Mm-hmm. But whether you start to um, get, in that, get in the space where you're – playing a certain type of way that could help your season a lot more than whether it's a win or a loss so you could still have the bad habits and not be playing hard and um, scored 89 points or whatever the case may be and win the game and you're no closer to being a better team than you were before the game started you could if they would have lost that game in overtime yesterday they would have been closer to being a better team than they were before the day started so the results, for me, the results don't matter. It's about making the, the steps towards getting out of the funk and starting to play better basketball. And they did that. It was a successful night all the way around. It's not all the way fixed, but it was a, a very successful night all the way around. So to go back a little bit to what Kamara said <clears throat> when he called, Again, 916-909-1320. Kings did turn the ball over 21 times. Mm-hmm. And there was a, the, you, you, you defend without fouling. 
Well, that didn't work. And there was a point, I don't remember what quarter we were in. It could have been the, I don't remember what quarter we were in. It probably doesn't matter. There was a point where they, not only were they not defending without fouling, they weren't playing offense without fouling. Mm. They got a, a, a DeMontis Sabonis, I think, moving screen. Yeah. And then I think they got Herter or maybe Keegan for the same call, yeah. like a couple of plays later. And so if we take the result out of this a little bit, you see, you know, you got the 121 points in overtime. You start to see, you know, Davion, you start to see some semblance of what you're hoping for. But I'd stop a little bit short of saying, well, we got back to playing good basketball last night. No, you start making steps towards that. That So got back to playing good basketball, in my opinion, is, and this isn't what you so, said, that's saying everything's fixed. Everything's not fixed. Mm-hmm. They got back on the path to a pain. There's there's things they got to correct. There's things they got to continue to work on. But they got on the path to playing better, playing good basketball. They were not on the path on Monday, on Saturday and so, Monday. They were hitchhikers. They were on the side of the road. <coughs> All right, I'm starting to like sit a little more with what you were talking about earlier that we're really just talking about Monday. Monday was cuz Saturday Monday messed with people a lot messed with me. I'm 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 people. It might have messed with them. I'm, yeah, yeah. 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 So Monday was Monday was something that I think maybe that team us as fans, us yeah. as people that cover the team say I don't ever want to see that again. Let's talk to figure out how we will never See that again. Mm-hmm. That was unacceptable. That was something that we were supposed to be long gone from. Yeah. And yeah. That and 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 it's magnified because it came on the heels of two losses. Mm-hmm. No matter in in Saturday's game wasn't good. Right. But it wasn't Monday's. No. And that's what like everything kind of goes back to is you could point out the issues with the Warriors game. Scored 101 points in that. That's not. That's not the. That's not the Kings. But it wasn't Monday. It it, it wasn't what we saw on Monday, and so we've got Oklahoma City coming in on Friday, and it's a a team that put up 128 points last night. You know, this is a team where, you know, it could be the Spider-Man meme, right? In terms of (laughs) dynamic guards. Capable of scoring a ton of points, mm-hmm. um, you there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things where I think the Kings have a hell of a fight ahead of them if De'Aaron Fox plays. If he doesn't, man, I feel like they got a lot of they 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 might have an uphill battle mm. ahead of them if De'Aaron Fox doesn't play. Shea is dynamic, yeah. and you know Josh Giddy is like they've they've got a really good squad there that ju- they like to get up and down the floor. They like to score points. Again, we saw it last night. We saw Shea with 43 last night. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that you can afford against a team like that. And you, you're, you're kind of rolling the dice with, with, with the Portland Trailblazers a little bit. Maybe you are asking Dr. Mays to beat you. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you're asking DeAndre Ayton, you know, to stay smooth with that jump shot that he has. Mm-hmm. All right. But I don't know that you can you can you can take the floor tomorrow and, and and be cool like if Kessler Edwards gives you again he gives you a lot of defense you know he he does like Kessler Edwards wasn't invisible when he was playing right. 
I just don't know if, 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 if against a team like that, you can have, you know, zero from from Kessler Edwards. You, you, I, I, I don't, I don't want to make this about Kessler Edwards. I don't know that you could have zero points or, or an empty stat line from a guy playing 15-plus minutes or minimal offensive contributions from a guy in the starting lineup. Keegan's either got to snap out of it tomorrow or you've got to find a, 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 a you're probably going to have to have some things hit tomorrow night it with, with or without De'Aaron Fox. You're probably going to have to have some things hit tomorrow night. That's, that's one of the, the things that uh, me and Jesse were talking about. I think it really comes down to, and it's not to blame um, this guy at all, but you know, Keegan Murray and, and Kevin Herter hitting shots, especially with Fox out makes everything look so different. You know, and you got half of that last night because Herter was hitting some shots. And it was like, all right, well, we can hang in there. We can breathe. You know, we can get with these guys. Just imagine if both of them were in. Keegan doesn't even have to light the world on fire. But if he's 8 of 17 instead of 4 of 17, you're probably looking at winning by 10. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's that crucial, especially with these guys out. Or with when I say these guys, I mean Trey Lyles and, and De'Aaron Fox. So, yeah, I I think that really that could that could go a long way, and maybe longer than a longer way than we're giving it credit for. Be with Keegan hitting shots, yeah, uh, Kevin Herter hitting shots, and having those two guys going together. Because then, you know, uh, a twelve and five performance by Harrison, which was solid, was fine. Like uh, not here to talk one turnover. Us. One turnover. That's crazy. <laughs> not here to talk crazy about uh, Harrison, but you're not looking at him like, yo, we need you to score 17 tonight. Like, you can give us 9 or 12. But if you look at that box score as well, guys kind of stepped up, you know, in the absence of Fox. It wasn't just Domas didn't have 37. Yeah, he had his 27, but Harrison had 12. Herter stepped up, gave you 17. You know, uh, uh, Alex Lynn had 10. Davion stepped up. He had 16. Like, you needed, you know, other people to kind of help get you to the 33 that De'Aaron normally gets you to. And you got that last night. Uh, 916-909-1320. Oh, man, Zabo on the line. What's up, baby? Yo, what's up, guys? Thank you for clarifying that uh, Chicago comment. Because I was about to say this. Dude, holding the door open, doing all that. <laughs> Jesus. Well, but no, what I was gonna ask is, uh, who y'all think early in the NBA season, who y'all think got the belt right now? Jokic, Giannis. Who y'all mm, think? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, I don't. Where, where, where are we at with the belts? That's a good question. Who has your belt? Pretty sure I, Jokic has mine. Jokic has yours. Yeah. Anybody know who has mine? Jokic. Does. I think it's unanimous. Is it Jokic? That part. That makes sense. Yeah, disputed. Yeah. I don't know that I could take it from him. No. I don't I mean, know. What are they? Seven and one right now, or seven and two, or something like that. You know, you know who wants a, a L.A. Night style match, though. A boy in Minnesota. They want a match. Did it again yesterday. Okay. Casesaro. That's. <laughs> So I'll just no, tell you do you want a match. I'm just, do kidding. I'm just kidding. I just got to get that one in. <laughs> so, okay. I I know how we're going to ignore the dude in Dallas. He, he probably want a match too. 
Because right, remember, we need a, we need remember a fatal what we're talking about. The number one contender. I, I think we, we do because I got a guy on my side too that I want to throw in there. What about Embiid? They're six and one right no, now. That's, yeah, that's very, very fair. And I know you're you're uh, sore about it because they don't win four in May. It's fine. Trust me. Philly win all the regular season games you want. We know what happens in May. I, I, uh, because remember what this is for anybody that's new to it. It's not necessarily MVP or anything else like that. You know, you could, you could have matches. It could be like a, a what they call a premium live event match once a month. Jokic got it. Jokic got it. Look, he took on Anthony Edwards. And Anthony Edwards, he, he might have got him. Was, was the belt not on the line? Because uh, they that smacked him up pretty good. That's that's your call. That's your call. Was the belt on the line? I didn't say. Do it. Was. it. I didn't say it was. Do so it. it. Wasn't on the line. Non-title match. Yeah, non. It's the Raw before WrestleMania. Is that what it was? Because you know what happens <laughs> the Raw before match. WrestleMania. Anytime <laughs> the you know the guy wins on the Raw before WrestleMania, he's getting his ass kicked. I remember Booker <laughs> T beat Triple H the Raw before WrestleMania, only for Triple Triple H to. Pedigree his ass <laughs> after talking about his nappy hair and telling him to dance for him. Triple H was really problematic. We, bro, we really pretend that that stuff didn't happen. Like the COO of the company. And I, yeah, I mean, Triple H was mm-hmm. like really bad. So I was gone at the time. I I don't I don't know nothing about this. He Oh, you don't you don't know about the Booker T Triple H WrestleMania match? Nah, I was gone, oh, man. I was okay. gone. All right. And the build up, I don't know nothing about the build up. It's not good. So so and nobody said nothing. No one said nothing. It wasn't even like, yo, gone too far. Can't say that. He said it to Booker T in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Mm. Did blackface too. He did that. Well, because it was the rock, everyone no <laughs> X Pac really walked X-Pac, out there in blackface. Bro, come on, man. I remember when The Rock, I remember The Rock being asked about this like a long time ago. They asked him how he felt. This, this, he was still with the W, like associated with the WWE or with the W, like it was, uh, it might have been in their awkward transition time. Yeah. And he was like, we didn't really like it, but we were like, don't go out there with white lips. Mm. Like you can't, like if you're going to do this, don't, don't. Don't did, do the white lips, because then we got a problem. Did they? So they never liked. They didn't like the idea. Yeah, and they, they made it clear. They did. No, they they did, and they were like, "We don't like this." But I guess if you don't go out there with white lips, it's whatever. Mm. And they took that as all right, cool. And they went and did it. Nah, nah, we're not cool with it. I mean, it's not like you're doing it this way, but we're not cool with it. No. Oh, that's all we needed. Yeah, yeah, thanks. We're, yeah, we'll go no do thanks. It. We're gonna go do it right now. Did you hear what I said? I don't like this. <laughs> Didn't uh care. let's uh let's get Manny in here real quick. Nine one six nine zero nine thirteen twenty. What's up, Manny? Uh, I mean there's a reason why Triple H took over, right? And Vince's uh and Vince's uh being the next Vince. Mm. Uh well, man, one thing I did love about yesterday was the fact that they had the big lead for a minute. They relinquished it, and then the fight was still there, right, which was the opposite of the last two games where you didn't see that fight. Mm. And, yeah, there were a lot of mistakes made, and we saw some lapses and stuff. But, like you said, like, you just wanted to see the fight, and then obviously you want to see the win, but you wanted to see the fight to make sure they were still there, that everybody was still had that goal. 
And the same thing with tomorrow, right? It's a better team tomorrow. It's a, a team that's on the rise. And you want to see the same thing. Like, there'll probably be some mistakes made. It's still a learning process with a couple of new guys. But, man, just at least if you run into those issues, like, still have that fight and you have that dog in you. Yeah. I'm with it 100%, and we saw that yesterday. So, um, that's that was a great sign for me. That was a great sign. I needed, I needed to see that from, from, from that group. So We'll come uh, back. We'll get Matt George's thoughts on all of this. Uh, our man, Matt George of ABC 10, Locked on Kings podcast. By the way, if you, I, I used to li- I listen to Matt's podcast. Mm-hmm. I watched it. I've watched it a handful of times. But I don't I, think I've watched it before. It's, he does a really good job because he films all of the stuff for ABC 10, so he's able to incorporate highlights into all of it. Start watching. It's, 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 a really, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really, really good video podcast. Matt does a great job. Um, over on his Locked on Kings podcast channel. So we'll talk to Matt with Dilo and Casey return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We are back here with our good friend Matt George of the Locked on Kings Podcast Network and, of course, of ABC 10. And, yes, Matt, I was saying good things uh, about you before you joined us. I think you're I, – I, I was telling everyone I, I listen to your podcast very regularly. I – found myself watching it like like watching it watching it not just having it playing but watching it watching it for probably one of the first times last night and you do a really really good job of putting that together with the you know the highlights that you you know the you don't film highlights you film the whole damn game uh for your abc 10 duties and it makes for a, a really good podcast man so so great job with that it's a really good it's always been a great listen it's a really really good watch I appreciate that. Thank you. I stay way too late at the Golden One Center to get it done, but there's something. I mean, it's, it's been too noisy in there because they have to replace the court after every freaking game because the NBA is back to 97 different courts for each team. Well, but I don't like the way he said that. Yeah. Well, he's I, not I, happy. I Matt George is. No, not I don't happy. like the. I don't like the. Like I didn't like it when you remember. I can't remember what year it was. It was the year I think before the bubble year where the Kings had three different courts. They had the blue court, they had their home purple court, mm-hmm. and then they had the black court with like the, the medieval-looking line in the middle. Mm-hmm. And they changed it literally every single game. I didn't like it. Commit to a court. <laughs> like, commit to your court. What is this, 1978? Like, no, yes. we, can, we can change courts. Kings out here no. hoeing around with different courts. <laughs> 
No, we can't because when you change the court, then I got to go up into like the suites or something and I can't shoot down on the court after the game because you're too busy with your hammers and making well, a bunch oh, of noise. Oh, so this is about yeah. you. Yeah, it's see. about me. Absolutely. And All it's right. about like purple is the best color in the world. Purple is your color and you keep going away from purple. It makes um, me upset. I mean, they're paying homage to 100 years of this purple games. shortage. We've been over this. Who cares? Wow. Uh, this, so we don't, we don't, match we don't care right about our, our 100 year history here. Huh? No. Because there were 97 different cities that you were involved in before you came to Sacramento. Sacramento's history is purple. Well, the it's king, actually the royal it's color. literally not just purple. They were blue for like the first 12 years. And everybody and their mother is blue and red and white. Have some originality. Stick with what makes you you. Everybody and their mother wants to be this this the, the, the country's colors. No. Commit to your own Leave thing. Everyone's mother out of this. Why are no. you so cranky today? Because they get they I they I don't like it. I don't like them going away from my purple. My my purple, my old I want the old Kings logo back too. I don't like this this little like wow stamp that they got. Go which back also, to the old Kings logo. Which also is almost an um uh paying homage to the old Kings logo. Like they it's went still, back to their logo. It's still the, a different sac- color. the Sacramento era logo. <laughs> No, the Sacramento coloring. No, when, that's the when they same came logo. to Sacramento, they rebranded. They said, "Forget Kansas City, forget Rochester, forget all that nonsense. That's not us. We're here in Sacktown now. We got our own color, Sacktown logo. We got our own building. They literally didn't do that for ten years, which was their fault, their problem. But they finally <laughs> they, caught up. They have the same. The logo they have now is the same logo they had when they got here, and they had for ten years, just a different color." Boring, lazy, go back to the old one that looked like barbershop poles and nobody knew what the hell was going on, but there was a basketball in the middle of it. I like that one. You know what I missed too are the two logos that were on uh, each side of the court, the little SK with the crown on top. Those little logos they put like <laughs> on that, that, that just yeah, inside I the I had point a line. Jacket. Those were dope, those were dope logos too. Those logos. Yeah. Do you want to complain about anything else? Uh, No, I'm good. How are you? I'm <laughs> Well, I'm good, Matt. We're happy that you're here. Um, let's 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 talk about last night's win uh, against Portland. Um, I think the one of the the, the the prevailing conversations is it felt like coming out of that trip to Houston, the Kings were broken, and the discussion today was, well, are they fixed after that win against Portland? There's obviously a lot of good, a lot of bad that came out of that game. As Malik pointed out, the most important thing to get a victory. But what 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 where what do you think? Like what did that what did that win last night do for you? Well, they're sure as hell not fixed. I can tell you that. But a win by any means necessary is exactly what this team won. And I walked into the Golden One Center last night, going, I don't care how the Kings win. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it's a blowout. I don't care if it's one point. Just find a way to win this game. And there were there was a large portion of that game where I felt like, wow, the Kings are playing much better. And then I look up at the scoreboard and see, oh, the Kings are only up by four or, oh, wait, the Kings are trailing by two. Like, mm-hmm. I have the feeling that if Fox were playing last night, if everything else went the same but Fox were there, I think the Kings would have probably had a pretty comfortable lead for the majority of that game last night. But he wasn't, and the Kings still struggled to create separation. They once again got up to a double-digit lead. I think this time it was only 10 compared to like 14 or 15 that it's been the other couple of home games. Once again, they blew a double-digit lead on their home floor, which is something that that I want to see this Kings team get better at. But 
ultimately they won the game. So you, you feel good about that part. You feel good about the effort being there. You feel good about some guys kind of turning things around and stepping up. I love the game that DeMontis Sabonis had. Uh, I, I loved moments from Davion Mitchell. You could tell he was really playing with like a, a fire lit under him. Um, but this Kings team still has issues on the offensive end of the ball. And when it comes to their shooting, like I, I realize that I'm kind of in the, I guess the minority of, of looking at the King's shooting struggles because like Will Z put out that amazing stat um, that, that talked about at least going into last night's game that the Kings were generating the most wide open threes out of anybody in the league. And they were towards the bottom of the league in three point shooting percentage. And most people, I think Kenny, you said so too. Like most people were looking at that and going, I'm actually encouraged by this, right? Cause okay. The Kings are missing shots. Those are going to start falling at some point, right? That's the same thing we said over the course of the seven game playoffs here is at some point they're going to drop. They never did. Now we're seven games into the regular season at some point they're going to drop. So to me, this is going from a, 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 a shooting funk to now a trend. And it started, in my opinion, with the Kings trying to focus up and ramp up and pick up their effort and physicality on the defensive end of the floor. Nine of those 14 games have been against the Warriors, so that's probably an important aspect of it too. But I think like, I still need to see that this team can play at that level offensively that they're known for while emphasizing defense as much as they are. So here's what I'll say to that, Matt. And, and you know, I, I'm about – and, and... – I hear what you're saying, but I'm about keeping the same energy and doing the same things. What if real quick, let me ask both of you guys, what did Keegan Murray shoot from three last year? 41%, I believe. Was it that high? Yeah, I think he shot. Yeah, yeah 41%. <clears throat> what did uh, Kevin Herter, I got you right here. It was here, like 37, for, 38. For his career. <clears throat> for his career from beyond the arc, he's a 38% three-point shooter. Kevin Herter? Kevin Herter. If they were shooting 60 70% from beyond the arc right now, well, they're not going to do that all year. Their average says they're 40% shooters and 38% shooters. That's what That would be the conversation. It would not be this is who they are, this is what they're going to do. So now that they're drastically below that, they're not going – once again, they're not going to shoot that all year. Their career, the back of their basketball card, says this is probably what they're going to do throughout the course of a year. And that's why I say it is a good thing that you're getting those wide-open looks because averages, for better or for worse, always come back to around that where the averages are. I understand that completely, and I think you make perfect sense, except those averages are when the Kings were giving up 118 points per game. Now they're trying to get down to, I think they're around like 114, 115. It might even be a little bit lower than that. So they've made a, a, a like three, four, five point improvement on points per game that they're giving up. The problem is they've dropped off around six points per game scoring wise. So it's kind of the conversation that Kenny, you and I were having a little bit coming into the season is, is how much do you risk what you do well on the offensive side of the ball for the emphasis on the defensive end? And I think at this point, we've seen a large enough sample size to know that Clearly the Kings, whether it's physical, mental, whatever it is, clearly the Kings focusing on the defensive end of the ball is having an impact on their offense. 
right? Like it, it, it's whether they're walking the ball up the floor for no reason. They, for some reason, completely went away from pace and then picked it back up last night. They had zero paint touches in those two games in Houston. That's not true. They, they had very few paint touches in those games in Houston, got back to actually attacking the basket. Granted, I don't think the Portland Trailblazers really had anything defensively to stop the Kings uh, from, from getting to the basket last night, which was good to see. But like since there's been this emphasis on the defensive end, which I understand why, like the Kings need to improve defensively. But ever since that point, the offense just has not looked like itself. So I, I mean, I hear you completely that like, I firmly believe that Cur- uh, Keegan Murray's going to work his way through the shooting slump. I'm glad we're seeing Kevin Herter working his way through the shooting slump, but the Sacramento Kings are putting up the most threes out of anybody in the league. And they're towards the bottom of the league in three point shooting period. So either you have to change the amount and the volume of threes that you're putting up because as a team, everybody is missing right now, which I think correlates with their emphasis on the the defensive end, or you have to find a way to not emphasize the defensive end so much or, or, or get this team to start shooting better. And I mean, I don't, I'm just looking at the trend of, of 14 games at this point. Granted, there's a three month or however long break in between that, but since the defensive emphasis has started, this is what I've seen. Uh, and real quick, I'll say, so what do you say about this, Matt? It's not de-emphasizing defense. It's reaffirming offense. That's what I think happened a lot. Like it was, and, and once again, I always say this isn't fair because this isn't exactly what was said. But the the feeling was, it was like, ah, whatever about offense. I don't want to hear about offense. We need to be better on defense. Then like that was the thing. And I'm like, nah, it's not whatever on offense, like empower that, you know, you use that to empower, be like, Hey, we're this great offensive team. We have to get better on the defensive end, but we literally, this is what we do. We score one 18 to one twenty. catch up if you can, you know? And I think they got away from that because there was so much talk about the defense and you got to get back to once again, not necessarily taking away from defense, but empowering that offensive mentality as well. Like, Hey, yeah, I know we got to play defense, but Let's get back to what we do. We get buckets. Like, we score. We get up and down the floor. I think it's more that as opposed to take away from defense, possibly. What you, what you think about that? Well, I hear that. But also, how much more can you empower a team who's getting a lot of wide-open looks and they're just missing them? Like, you can empower them to move the ball the same. Like, the Kings are moving the basketball well. They're generating mm-hmm. open threes. Even with De'Aaron Fox out, they've been generating open threes. Almost everybody is missing, which, again, it could be like a – team's just in a funk right now. They're going to work their way through it, which I I truly hope is the case. But I need this team to prove it to me because they have not, they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt of they can play good defense and score at the rate that they're capable of scoring. They haven't proven that yet. So if I'm going to choose one over the other, I'm choosing the offense that won them uh, 40, however many games it was, or 50, whatever it was. I already forgot the win. 48. 48. They won 48 games and secured you a third seed last year. I'm going to choose that offense over a slightly improved defense with the personnel that the Sacramento Kings have. Because if the if the offense drops off six, seven points per game like it has, and the defense is league average, this Kings team might be a play-in team. So to me, I want to, I see you say reaffirmation. I want to see a reaffirmation or a re-emphasis of the offense is what we do. The defense needs to improve to support that, not, hey, let's improve this defense so much and we can sacrifice a little bit on the offensive end when a little bit, at least through seven games, to me is more than I'm willing to see drop off. How do you find the balance? 
that's the, a the, wonderful question. The, the balance between scoring points, being at those numbers Matt was talking about from last year, and still getting better, right? And improving. You, the, the, the idea is to improve on what you did last year. How do you how do you do it then? The, 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 you, and the, and I and I'm asking that rhetorically. I don't expect you to answer. There's there's probably going to be some give somewhere. I just think the argument that maybe you're both making, I'm not sure, is the give is too much. The give is too much, and the get back isn't enough. Being league average, like Matt just said, on the defensive end, that ain't going to do it. And being league average on the defensive end, when you're losing six points off of what you did last year, that really ain't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're losing two points off of what you did last year in your league average, that could be an entirely different story. But that's what Mike has to figure out, and that's why – I'm so curious what we see tomorrow in terms of rotations and lineups because, Matt, obviously that was a big story yesterday with Keon Ellis, Kessler Edwards, Alex Lynn, and so on. You know, we, we see Kessler. Kessler's always been a guy who we associated with defense. Keon Ellis, defense. Um, uh, Chris Duarte, defense. Well, you're going against a team that's putting up some points right now. You, you may not know how to strike a balance for 82 games, but you better find a way to strike a balance tomorrow if you want to beat Oklahoma City. And, and I see like we're playing tournament. I see the reactions in the chatting house and they're the same reactions that I'm getting on the podcast. Like, I feel like this is an overreaction. It's too small of a sample size. And, and I understand that. But I also think like we're clutching this security blanket of at some point it's going to improve. And that's we're basing that off of one year. It was a really good year. And mm-hmm. I'm fully I fully think the Kings can repeat what they do last uh, or uh, last year. They can mm-hmm. repeat that. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. So. My concern is like they they haven't earned the expectation of things are going to work themselves out the same way like the Denver Nuggets may have or or the the my like if the Milwaukee Bucks go through a shooting drought or shooting struggles they have they've been consistent of a, a, a top shooting team over the past handful of seasons to where it's like okay I believe that the Bucks can uh, survive a slow stretch to start the season or a bad shooting spell because they've done it before and they've overcome it and they've been victorious. Sacramento has not proven and done that yet. So for so many people to just go, ah, it's only seven games. The Kings will figure it out. I hope you're right. But I mean, I'm looking at it through the lens of Mike Brown and the coaching staff aren't sitting there going, ah, we'll be fine. We'll just shoot our way through it. They're trying to figure this out. And clearly the Sacramento, uh, uh, the Sacramento players based off of Demondis Sabonis' comments before at shoot around before last night's game Clearly, they're not just waiting around to start to have a conversation. Like the identity of this Sacramento Kings team has been in question so far this season. Granted, the absence of De'Aaron Fox magnifies that tenfold, but Fox returning does not mean that suddenly everybody's going to start hitting shots because the Kings have been missing shots with Fox in the game, too. Fox has just been good enough to carry them through that at times. So, I mean, I think these are legitimate concerns that we can't just ignore because it's a small sample size or it's too early in the season. I still think, and I don't want to say ignore. I don't know if I'm ignoring it, but I think we're, we're talking about two guys. We're talking about Keegan and, and Kevin Herter. And the reason why I will say it's too early is the Sacramento Kings as a, as a unit, as a, as a group, they haven't shown anything but the one year. But Keegan, Kevin Herter has never shot less than 36% from beyond the arc. He's at 28 right now. Well, I'm going to say he's not going to shoot 
28%. He's not going to shoot 30%. He's probably going to be anywhere between 35 to 38%. Keegan Murray's a little different because we've only seen him one year, but I'm going to say he's not going to – he was in the mid-20s. Uh, it might be lower now. He's not going to do that this year. Like, that is – I have no problem saying that's going to change. I have no problem saying it's too early to worry about that because that's going to change. Now, when you talk about who else is shooting threes, I mean, you could talk about Sasha. Maybe you could use his Euro stat, but, like, he's never shot this bad before. I don't know. It's Euro. It's not the NBA. Maybe you don't want to correlate that. But other than that, we're talking Duarte, Kobe Jones, guys like that who probably aren't even going to be playing that much once De'Aaron comes back. And when De'Aaron was here, the offense was putting up 128 points per game. No, I, I hear that, and I think you're absolutely right that that Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray are the emphasis, but you just rattle off some names there. And like looking at the three-point shooting percentage, the shooting is Sasha Vizenkov's primary skill. He's shooting 27%. Granted, he hasn't been putting up nearly as many shots as he probably thought he would coming into the league. Chris Duarte self-describes himself as a shooter. He's known as a 3-and-D type player. He comes in, he's shooting 33%. Malik Monk, one of his primary skills is three-point shooting, although with the Sacramento Kings, that's adapted more to... He's become more of a floor general and playmaker than he has a shooter, which he's been throughout his entire career to this point. Malik Monk is shooting 33%. He was 0 of 7, I think, from three-point range last night. Like, this is not just a Herder and Murray issue. The two of them shoot the most threes out of anybody, and they're missing, so naturally we gravitate and our attention goes to them. But there isn't anybody, I mean, Harrison Barnes is shooting in the 40s, but Harrison Barnes sometimes doesn't shoot the basketball, period. And there were still a handful of uh, minutes last night where I was watching Barnes stand in the corner and stand on the wing and not move. And I'm wondering, okay, is this the Kings offense that Barnes is just supposed to get out of the way for spacing? Or is Barnes just standing there because he doesn't know what else to do with himself? Mm. Like, to me... There are too many good players. We talked about coming into this league, Kenny. You and I were hyping up and raving like, look at the depth on this team. How do you stop this team? There's so many weapons that can kill you from the perimeter. And for the most part, every single one, including guys that weren't around for the playoffs, are struggling to start this season. Again, maybe just a team-wide funk. I certainly hope it is. But I'm I'm concerned that so many different players – are struggling with some of their primary skills on the offensive side of the ball when this is an offensive roster that the Kings have constructed because, I don't know if it's because or maybe they're impacted by the focus on the defensive end or what the Kings are asking of them on the defensive end of the floor. I'm just seeing players that are normally solid from three-point range not shoot well consistently now to start the season and even in preseason. If they play at the right pace, they'll be fine. I agree. I the think thing so too. That bothers me the most is when they start trying to slow things down. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's not, that's not the game. Yesterday, I thought they sped it up a little bit. They, they were, they at least were trying to, and you just saw it better. It wasn't like a great offensive performance. We saw a better offense performance. As long as they do that, I, I think they'll be, they'll be okay. I think one thing that I, you, you know, to talking with and to Sacramento Kings fans for the last few days is one, one thing I think like first take and skip and Stephen a and all those guys have done is they like every reaction becomes an overreaction. You've got to trade this person. LeBron James has got to retire. Kawhi Leonard just beat LeBron James last night. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. 
when you bring up points that you're bringing up about this offense, that Matt's bringing up about the way these guys are shooting, it's not an overreaction to anything. Mm -hmm. It's not a, oh, let's wait and see where they're at in 20 games. No, it's a reaction. Mm -hmm. Our job is to react to what we see, good or bad, on a night-to-night basis Mm -hmm. covering this team. And that's what we do. We react to what we see. And reacting with doesn't have to be – you don't have to lay a a disclaimer out that the sample size is short. We're seeing Keegan Murray shoot bad. Mm -hmm. Keegan Murray knows he's shooting bad. We've seen it for a stretch of games now. There's nothing overreactionary about that. It's legitimate to have concern about, hey, when's he going to get back on track? We have the same concern about Kevin Herter. Now we're starting to see him get back on track a little bit. That was one of the really positive things that came out of last night's game is you're starting to see these shots fall for Kevin Herter. And 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 Matt, I'll ask you this. Reactions, overreactions. Did Mike overreact taking Davion Mitchell out of the starting lineup? Or did he simply react to what he had seen over the last couple of days and thought, or the last couple of games, excuse me, and thought Keon Ellis might be a better fit there? See, I think it's a totally normal and necessary reaction for Mike to move Davion out of the starting lineup. There was nothing Davion Mitchell was doing that, that suggests that he looked capable of being the starting point guard for this team. I'm questioning whether or not he can be a like he he can be a primary point guard in this league. Like he he hasn't really shown an ability to do that at any point. And we're in year three now, so it's very different running the starting unit versus running the second unit. So. I give Davion grace in that sense, but expectations for the Sacramento Kings team are much higher than, Hey, we'll just make it to the playoffs again. Like, and, and that's the, like, that's where I, I see people say like, look at the Kings record to start last season versus look at the Kings record to start this season. They're the same. The, the Sacramento Kings are fine. Think about the difference of expectations though. Last year it was, Hey, maybe the Kings can make it into the play and we'd love to see it at best six seed. Now the expectations this year placed upon the Kings by their head coach and by their star are, we think we can contend for a championship. What about the way the Sacramento Kings are playing to start the season suggests they're anywhere remotely close to contending for a championship. One player goes down and offensively, this team completely fell apart. So that's like, that's the bar that I'm holding them at. And I'm not used to playing the pessimistic side over the optimistic side. If anybody knows my history, but this is just what I'm seeing. So going back to your question, Delo, like, I think moving Davion Mitchell out of the starting lineup was essential, not just for the Kings to get off to a better start, but essential to send a message to Davion Mitchell. Like, dude, this is not good enough. And we have high expectations for you as our backup point guard. To me, the Kings only have one true point guard on this roster. That's De'Aaron Fox. He's hurt right now. I was really puzzled by the choice to start Keon. Now I'm rooting for the guy. And I don't think Keon Ellis did really anything wrong last night. I think he turned over the ball four times, whatever. He went from a two-way guy who never played to not just starting with the first unit guy, starting as the most important position on the floor. As the point guard, you are leading that second unit. doesn't matter how much you run through DeMontis Sabonis. doesn't matter how many assets you have out there that can also control the basketball. You are the leader of the unit as a point guard. And Keon's not a true point guard. He's a two. So I was not a fan of the decision initially. I was willing to see it play out, and the Kings got off to a good start, and the Kings are 1-0 in games that Keon Ellis starts, so it's sour grapes at this point. My choice would have been Malik Monk because Malik is the only other player not named De'Aaron Fox on this roster who plays the way the Sacramento Kings want to play from their primary ball handler. He's the only other guy. And I get, because I've defended to the end of the earth, defended, don't 
move Mike uh, Malik out of the second unit because he's essential with that second unit. But that's when the Kings are at full strength or at the very least, De'Aaron Fox is healthy and playing. When Fox is out, I don't care about the impact of your second unit. You're replacing your star. So get your best player that you can grab from that second unit to help replace your star. To me, Malik should be starting, but the Kings won the game last night. I don't know if Fox is going to play or not on Friday. If the Kings roll out Keon Ellis or Davion Mitchell or anybody against OKC tomorrow and they play the way that they did last night, I think it's going to be an ugly night. So we can be happy that the beam was lit, be happy that the Kings got a win by any means necessary, which I think is exactly what this team needed to get back on track. But there's still a lot of things that they have to clean up and every single team is good at this point or every single team can throw something at you that you should be at least a little bit worried about. For sure, for sure. Matt's pissed off today. Yeah, he is. He is, he is not here for your nonsense. <laughs> did it's, you ask? It's been a week, and D'Lo knows why. It's been a week. Did, it, it it has. Did, 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 can you? I'm I'm bad at this. Did you ask Domas the question about what uh, yesterday at shoot around about what the discussion was with the coaches and players? Was that you? No, that wasn't me. I, I wasn't oh. there. I think it was Brendan that asked. Oh, Brendan Who? got yelled. Oh, yeah. We don't we don't acknowledge him anymore. Another guy. Oh, nice guy. Uh, he does. <laughs> he has to know. I think we gave Brendan love earlier. Brendan knows yeah. we love him. We who everybody that's over there. That's right. Except Chris Verlot. He's just a pain in the ass. <laughs> don't tweet him. Don't. Well, no. He, I can tweet him. I can tweet him. He can't tweet me. He'll get called into the principal's office if he talks to me. Um, take some pictures on Friday night. That's for sure. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Matt, and this is something that we've been trying to um, decipher. Do you think all of this angst that we've had over the last 48 hours or so Thank you for really come? <laughs> oh, no, because I've had it too. I've had it too. I was upset too. But do you think it all comes down to the way Monday played out? Because when you look at the game, when you look at the team with Fox – they, I don't know the exact number, but they put up 130 in one game, 122 in another game, 137 in another game. The offense wasn't an issue. Fox goes down. They play against the Warriors. Offense is an issue, but you don't have Fox. You still play hard. You lose by one on a shot from a Hall of Famer. Saturday, they didn't play well, but they just, like, didn't play well. You know what I mean? And it's just when you're going to have those games. Monday. There's a bar right there. They didn't play well, but they didn't play well. Uh, there's a line right there. Air horns. Monday, Monday was, James Ham said, it was traumatic for us as Kings fans. <laughs> like, that was, oh, hell no. Like, we're not, we're not doing this. <laughs> but like I said, when you break down these games, it's not like there's three Mondays in there. It's one game that had us, going back to a time that we don't ever want to go back to. Other than that, all of it was relatively fine. So all the angst that everybody had, does it really come down to one game? Uh, uh, yes, a lot of it does. I don't think there was anything that was relatively fine about anything that they did in the first game in Houston either. They came out flat and got their ass kicked by Dylan Brooks and the Rockets. Now, I feel a little bit better about the Rockets because they just kicked the Lakers' ass last night. So I think the Rocket. I underestimated the Rockets. I have no problem saying that. Rockets fans are having no problem telling me in my comment section that I underestimated the Rockets, and that's fine. I went into those two games against the Rockets with the expectation that splitting this should be the absolute minimum. 2-0 and should be the 
hope or expectation for the team, regardless of if De'Aaron Fox is playing or not, again, based off of the level that they want to get to and how good they think they are. And in both games, they got punked. Like the the second game was definitely worse than the first game, Kenny, not just because the Kings dropped down by 40 at one point in that game, but because the Kings tried to start the game in game two versus not trying to start the game in game one. And they still trailed by 10 points or more and only scored, I think 22 in the first quarter at that point, it was like, Oh, this team looks more engaged and they still suck. Mm-hmm. Like the Kings could not get within the three point line period. That was concerning. I think the Rockets are a really good defensive team. I think Ime Udoka has that team playing very, very well playing aggressively. So I think it's also exemplified the fact that those two bad team or games were against the same team right? Maybe giving us a little bit of playoffs PTSD of playing the same team twice in a row and getting beat down twice in a row, right? So I think there's an element of that too. Also, this is a position that the Sacramento Kings really haven't been in before. It's certainly the first time in my career that I've covered a team with as high of expectations as the Kings have. So there's definitely some angst with what happened uh, over the weekend for sure. But the angst is less from look what the Rockets did to you and more from look what you were doing to yourself, and there, I mean, there were moments where the starting lineup was still, even with De'Aaron Fox out, was still five guys that played together all last year and should be very familiar with each other. Four starters that played in this in a starting lineup that played more than any other starting lineup in the league, or at least one of the top in the league last season. And those guys were looking at each other like, we don't know what the hell to do. That's what scared me, is the primary strength of this Kings team. They looked lost. They looked deer in the headlights. And if a team like the Houston Rockets can do that to you, like, what do we think the Rockets' ceiling is? Maybe a team like the Kings were last year that surprised everybody and get to a three seed. Is that the absolute best? Oh. Fine. I don't think anybody expects the Rockets to win a championship. If the team, if a, if the Houston Rockets can do that to you, what are the Nuggets going to do to you if you clash with them in the playoffs? So, I, if you real just real quick, I think we're I think we gotten to the point where we're a little too flippant of this. Oh, they didn't have De'Aaron. You still need to. Look. I mean, come on, man. Like. Like to take the top player off of any team in a league, and they could lose or get their ass beat by anybody. But does their All NBA center take four shots? Well, did he take four shots in the game against the Warriors? That's what I mean. We're talking about one game. We're well, talking about one game. Well, and against the Warriors, what... he went for twenty three and sixteen in a one point loss. Mm-hmm. He didn't I... play well on Saturday. Eleven shot, eleven points, or something like that. We we. I get that, yeah, but, but he came back last night and put up a big time numbers. But I think Matt, I think Matt said that like he was like, yeah, that that game shook him up. I think it, and you pointed out it shook a lot of people up. And I could be, I could absolutely be, you know, reaching here with this thought. If you listen to Domas last night, I think that game kind of shook them up mm-hmm. a little bit because you 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 talk about like what you know if the Rockets can do that to them, what what could the Nuggets do to them? I don't think that game was about what the Rockets did. I think it was about the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. And Domas saying last night, he he admitted at the post game. He said a loss tonight would have been tough. Mm. That would have been. Re- I don't know how. You always hear play. Oh, we, you know, it's a long season. Oh, take oh one game. Oh, we take things in stride. Oh, blah blah blah. Domas acknowledged at the end of that game last night at the podium, a loss would have been really, really tough on us. Mm. So I think that speaks less to the Portland game and more of their internal reaction and feelings about that Houston game. To your point, Matt, talking about Houston-Denver, I don't even think that was about Houston. That was all about Sacramento. 
That was all about those guys, and that's what they got addressed, I'm assuming, in that conversation that Domas was talking about before the game last night. And real quick to Matt, because I want to make sure he answers, I'm included in that. I was shook up by Monday. I didn't. Mm -hmm. Monday was – Tuesday was not a good day Mm -hmm. after watching that on Monday. I'm included. But all I'm saying is I step back now, and I – you look at it in its totality, and I see the other games they played without Fox, and they nothing was like Monday. Nothing was like Monday. No, I agree with you. I, I and I understand. And again, I think I'm. I think where the overreaction comes in is maybe hyper focusing too much on the bad and not recognizing the good amongst the bad. There really was no good amongst the bad in Houston, but there was good amongst the bad last night. There was good amongst the bad against the Golden State Warriors. There was good amongst the bad in the first Warriors game that the Kings lost. So. Like it's not like this team has been dreadful to start the season. They're three and four without playing well, which some people would say is encouraging too. This team is right below 500 and they haven't looked like themselves really at any point over the course of the season. And I would even say even the first game where they beat down Utah, they did that because Harrison Barnes decided to look like a superstar for a night. It's not because the Kings offense was unbelievable that night. So there's, there's definitely optimistic ways to look at things. And to be honest with you, I miss looking at them through that lens. I just, to me, you, you people bring up the same point that you bring up. Like you lose your star, you're you're going to struggle. I understand that completely. But the Kings, like they lose a 31 point per game score, at, at least have your team make up 20 of those 31 points together. They haven't been mm-hmm. like they've been making up five, ten, sometimes none. <laughs> like they went from 120 points to barely being able to sniff 100 two games in a row. So it's not that oh you lost your star. Yeah, you're going to struggle. It's you lost your star, and you nobody could even come remotely close to replacing any of what De'Aaron does, which suggests to me you're not as good of a team as you thought you are. And when De'Aaron Fox comes back, you're going to get burnt out unless you figure that out, which I think the Kings will. But at this point in time, it's concerning because, again, the primary strengths of this team, I'm not seeing them unless Fox is playing and putting the team on his back. That's Matt George. A very yeah. fiery I want to be happy. I'm sorry. That's I want to be happy. The Kings, Kings are going to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder down tomorrow well, night on that no, ugly-ass court, but it's not going to matter. Wow. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> they go away from the purple, but they're going to bring the purple beam into that gray and blue arena for no reason. Matt, why don't you go watch I can't even be. Ha- I can't even be happy when I'm mad, man. Damn. Can't even be happy when I'm mad. Hey. That, that, was a a bar? Bar. Dude, that was a bar. Hey, just real quick, Matt. Matt George, Locked on Kings, ABC 10. Say the word groin. 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 Well, that was it. You did it. That was it. It took, it took two hours. The whole time. No, that's not what you were saying. I cannot wait for this clip to hit social media. Absolutely oh, cannot wait for this clip to hit social media. We appreciate you so much for being with us. Make sure you're following the Locked on Kings podcast. Uh, and make sure that you are back here with Kenny tomorrow, because if you were listening today, you know this is it for me. Um, I'm going to go do one final show on KSFM and say my goodbyes. Uh, but tap in tomorrow beginning at 10 a.m. with the Insiders here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Vamos, Wallace, funeral home. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.